Welcome back to the Selfie Show, uh, where we are bringing you the weekly dose of sweet and salty. I am Tori, the found- my brain's not working today, just so you know, the founder and co-host of the Selfie Show. I'm a nurse blogger and podcaster. I am Sam, nurse, powerlifter, podcaster, co-host of the Selfie Show. Today, we are here. We're here. <laughs> we are here. Um, the fact that we didn't just redo that intro just shows what a disaster we are as human beings. Just we're let just it ride. Moving. We're letting it ride. We are, uh, we're doing like remote girl energy today. We love this for us. I'm in a hotel room in Vegas. So if my audio sounds like shit, it's because I forgot my AirPods. <laughs> but I'm also eating French fries. So, you know, honestly, should really be a little more professional as a podcaster. But here we are. I love this here for you. I love it. You know, a little snack on the go. I'm here for this. Yeah. We all love this for you. It's a thing. I'm so. post night shift, and like my night shift brain lately has been re- a real piece. It's been fun. <laughs> are you on a like list for day shift? What's the status here? Where are we at? <sighs> you know, thing? I think everywhere is so short right now, including the hospital I'm at, and mm-hmm. it's just so short. So it's like the the idea of even getting to days is so far ahead that it's just it's not happening. I thought because places were so short-staffed, you could basically get a position, like, on any shift. Yeah, that's a false narrative. <laughs> okay. Good. Good to know. We're on the streets. Um, we're, yeah, <laughs> you know what? I actually, okay, here's the thing, and you know this. I like nights. It's just this Your time. Like, yeah, it's, like, after nights where it's just, like, I actually do fairly well on night shift. It's... I- I can say I've never seen my, I never lived long enough to be the villain. You know how it's like, (laughs) I'm a hero or live long enough to be the villain. I never in my 11 years went to day shift. Yeah, you didn't. Oh my gosh, that's so weird. You always did, you did night or swing. Yeah, swing was 2 p.m. to 2 a.m. was early. I, I mean, I picked up day shifts here and there to help out, but I never made that my shift, so... Yeah. What are you doing for your skincare, honey? Your skin's looking good. Okay, so it's called stress and anxiety. (laughs) Why isn't Um, that working for me? (laughs) It's doing the opposite for me. I actually, this is not a plug. They don't sponsor us, and they should. Honestly, I'm so offended by all the product recs that I we give out that don't sponsor (laughs) us. But I use NuRx. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's good. Like, acne prescriptions. So I have been using the Trentinoin cream, which if you're not using that, you – okay, here's the life hack, you all. You are welcome. So Mm -hmm. your insurance will not cover Trentinoin if it is for aging, if you're using it for wrinkles and fine lines, which it is scientifically, like, peer-reviewed studies proven to show that it reduces wrinkles and fine lines and helps Mm. with aging. So. Mm It can be ordered for that, but your insurance doesn't cover it. But if your doctor orders it for acne, Mm. your insurance will cover it for a low, low price. Here we go. um, I wanted it for age purposes. So I sent them a picture when I was on my period and super broken out. And then I got them to prescribe it to me for acne. (laughs) But joke's on me. Then I don't know. I think my hormone – I don't know. I'm a disaster. Maybe – but, no, but your I skin looks good. A lot of like hormonal acne on my chin. So then I had them prescribe. I don't want to be on birth control. I've talked about it before on here. I hate birth control. I don't like what yeah, it does. I'm already a yeah. psychopath. I don't need to like 
fuck with my hormones and We've i don't been off of birth control for years now it's 2017 and i'm afraid yeah. of iud's because just NICU ptsd of being like iud's work but do they work I don't know. A lot of IUD babies out there on this earth. So I don't know. <laughs> and I just don't want it. So yeah. bottom line. But um, I don't know. I didn't want to try birth control for the hormonal acne, but I had them prescribe the spironolactone. Am I, I'm a nurse. I should be able to say that word without struggling. <laughs> say that 10 times fast. But it's a diuretic. It does affect your hormones. So mm, here we go. Yeah. Well, it's looking good. It's looking fresh. It's all the pork belly, um, like mm-hmm. grease that we was over that my mouth this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> my skin. Um, we are going to be back in yeah. studio next week for you guys. We're so excited. Honestly, I am all over the place, so we're we're doing our best to still yeah. bring you guys stuff, even we're though I'm thriving. On- thriving so today we actually have an awesome episode um, we'll do the full intro in a sec but we do have um who do we have Tori a close personal yeah. this is actually okay so this is actually today our guest is actually my cousin and I don't know why I never thought about it but you know with the whole Roe v Wade thing I actually reached out to her asking her some questions and then I was like why are we not having you on the show so today's actually really special. This is near and dear to my heart. Um, this is my cousin, Stephanie. So as many of you know, my dad is an, a lovely um, older gentleman of 82. And so this is um, basically my his sister's daughter. Oh, she's so spicy. She's like, oh, you guys are going to hear her today. And you're going to be like, yeah, yeah, this is on brand for, for Tori's family. For yeah, sure. The family jeans lineup. It makes sense. She's so fabulous. She shows up in like a pink, beautiful little coat. I'm like, I love it. It's just very Stephanie energy. We love it for her. And she's a lawyer. We love that. And we're talking about egg donation, surrogacy, yep. infertility. And all of that good stuff today. Yeah, we're getting into that. um, And you're going to get into the backstory of why she is into that specialty today. Because she actually has a story as to why. And it's very near and dear to our heart. Um, So, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a good one today. Um, Okay, unpopular opinion, Miss Samantha. Let's go. So I don't know if this is an unpopular opinion as much as it might just be... um just a pet peeve of mine. Okay. Because it could be an unpopular opinion because some people might actually think that there's literally nothing wrong with it, but I will tell you that you are wrong. It is <laughs> not your fucking business and it's so rude when you start asking people comments about, do you want to have kids? Or if they have one, well, when's the next one? Or all of that. It's like, you don't know what's going on with someone. They could be on their third IVF attempt that's failed and like desperately want kids. And then you're like rubbing salt in the wound by saying, Oh, when's the, when are you going to have a brother or sister for when, what so-and-so going to get a sibling? It's like, maybe they've been trying or me who's 36 and has no idea what the fuck I'm doing with my life. And is constantly in a midlife crisis and just pierces my nipples instead of actually like growing (laughs) up. It's like, don't ask me if I want kids. Like I don't know. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay, like- I will say, okay, here's the thing. I it is a normal part of having of life, right? Like having kids. Like that's like in in actual, you know, when you're thinking about marriage and life and moving on and whatever blah 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 blah, like the picture perfect life, that's what you think, but it's so funny because 
I actually think I get that question way more than probably you do at this point, because when you're you're married, married, okay, when you are married as a couple, and all of you who are listening to me, you guys, the girls out there, all my millennial girlies, you know, if you're married and you don't have kids yet, the number one question you always get is, when are you having kids? That's like the number one question people want to ask. But I will challenge you like on this too, because as a single person of my age, people are like, well, you're mm-hmm. single, but don't you want to have kids one day? Mm-hmm. What if I did? What if I like desperately wanted more than anything in my life to have kids and I'm single and you're just making me feel like shit because you're like, <laughs> well, don't you want to have kids? Well, yeah, Judy, maybe I do, but I have no one to make them with. So fuck off. I think I, here's I, <laughs> okay. I think there's here's my there's nuances to this. I think there's yes. certain people in my life. If they ask me, I don't give a shit. I'm like, yes, I will spill the tea. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, it's self aware. But if it's someone's law, like, hey, yeah. are you guys planning on having another one or something like that? But know your audience. But know like, your audience. You just blanket ask that. Or I think like reframing the question, maybe like, what do you guys want in the future? What do you guys see for yourselves? What do you, you know, those are great questions to ask. Cause I think that kind of opens it up because you just don't really know. I mean, as Sam said, like people struggle through fertility is a very, very real thing as we're going to get into today with Stephanie, but you just, there's a lot of really potentially painful factors with that question. And while it, asking for that and they just had a miscarriage like a week ago it can oh it's God. a very and i get it it can seem like a very harmless question where you're like oh like are you guys having kids like you're not doing it to be right mean or with bad intentions or trying to make it's like the most innocent question but if you're not thinking about it as someone who's maybe struggled on the other side you don't realize how like hurtful it can be yeah for sure. So, and we're going to get into that obviously today um, as infertility is a big piece of the conversation that we're having today. Um, so yeah, I think just reframing the question, you know, let's go. We're getting, we're getting creative. Another tip from Tori. <laughs> <laughs> hot tip, hot tip. <laughs> okay. But to really get into it today and introduce our guest of the week, we have Stephanie. She's the founder of the Surrogacy Law Center, and her firm is dedicated to helping you start your family using surrogacy, egg donation, sperm donation, and embryo donation, no matter where in the world you're located. She has practiced exclusively in the field of assisted reproduction law since 2005, and her firm has represented over 3,000 clients through all of the different donation like avenues Seriously. that we'll explore today. It's like that's a huge world that I was actually very uneducated. But because of her personal journey through infertility, she's uniquely qualified to guide her clients through the emotional process of having a child and using assisted reproductive technologies. Yeah, absolutely. And Stephanie has represented thousands of clients from all over the world. You guys, like, it's so funny because all these things I'm learning about my cousin, I'm like, oh my God, I didn't even know you did this. This is amazing. Um, So she's in, she has uh, represented intended parents, surrogates and eggs, sperm and embryo donors. Stephanie's expertise in the family formation and reproductive law has made her a sought after expert who has appeared on a lot of different television and radio programs as well. She's appeared on the Today Show, ABC News, Huffington Post, The Daily Beast, uh, The Washington Examiner. The list goes on and on. LA Times, 
yeah the la times dang npr fox news like just the list goes on and on oh my gosh okay this is a really special one for us today you guys really though um you're gonna learn a lot today sam and i i'm telling you we learned so much about this we had no idea um you know about this world without further ado let's get into it with stephanie Okay, Miss Steph, thank you so much for coming on. Love you. You're welcome. Love you too. Fabulous. Okay, we're going to kick it off the way we do with all of our guests. We really want to know, what is your unpopular opinion? My unpopular opinion on anything? Anything. Under the sun. Oh, gosh. The only thing I can think of right now, because it's just so prevalent, because, you know, bro just got decided on Friday. That's like the major thing in my head. I'll think of something pretty soon, but right now that's the only thing that comes to my mind and that's really not unpopular. Yeah. So. That's the ironic that's part is that the majority of people are in support of it. Want it. Yes. Yes. So yeah. that is, you know, so that's the only thing that's like top there. We're a fan of that. Okay. Well, I know that Tori already knows you very well, mm-hmm. obviously. So thank you for being here. But for the rest of us, mm-hmm. can you give us a little background on who you are, your journey, how you got yeah, to where yeah. you are today? So I had a nearly eight year struggle to have my children. Um, I had multiple IVF cycles, you know, miscarriages. I had, you know, since you guys are nurses, a bilateral, bilateral ectopic pregnancy via IVF. Um, so that was a little strange um, and kind of like a head scratcher uh, for my doctors, especially. They're like, what the heck happened? How'd they go in your tubes? And um, so then I finally got my children when a surrogate carried them. Um, they are going to be 21 years old. So as I like to say, the dark ages of IVF, because there was no like, you know, testing of the embryos. There was no day six survivability. It was getting to day three, winging a prayer, throw them in and see what happens. Um, so, so because of that experience, I became a lawyer later in life and I decided to open up my law practice. And my husband also has a surrogacy and egg donation agency that he runs. He'd be a hoot too. He has no filter. <laughs> we, we love no filters. We do. Just as an FYI, yeah. yeah. Some things I go to parties and I'm like, oh my gosh, I just cannot believe I just did that. Yeah. So that's my story. Um, my law practice is in San Diego. I have represented thousands of clients. Um, so I represent egg donors and surrogates and intended parents all over the world. Same sex, single women, single men. Yeah. I was even involved in a case with three men. So. Oh, interesting. Yeah, they all became parents. Oh, interesting. Wait, yeah, yeah, can we hear the deets on that? to tell the deets on that? Um, So they are called a, they call themselves a thruple. They're great guys. Um, I did not represent them, but I was involved in the case. Um, And yeah, they, um, the uh, court in San Diego granted them, they're very open. They're very out. I think even they have their own show. Um, but the court in San Diego granted them, all three of them, parentage, and they're raising their two beautiful children. Oh, that's awesome. Amazing. Yeah, they're, you know, they would also love to be on the show. Oh, oh, okay. We're definitely going to have to get, yes. The book just came back. Look, I've already given you, like, two people. Done, I know. done. Perfect. Yeah. We love this for us. You're like the gift that yes. keeps on giving over here. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> 
Um, okay, I want to get into the nuances of this because what you do is so boutique. It's so unique in the area of law. But can we deep dive into that a little bit? Like what exactly, you know, how did this all start? Let's start at the beginning. Um, maybe even growing your practice and then how it's changed over the years. Yeah. So when I started in this practice 15 years ago, it was established by case law. There wasn't a statute in California. There wasn't a lot of people doing this because I don't think people really understand that the first IVF baby, Louise Brown, is just a little over 40 years old. So IVF is fairly new. Um, so um, in that regard, um, and when I started, I knew just instinctively in this business that I could help people. I could talk to the parents about what it feels like to want a baby and not be able to have one. You know, I could talk to the surrogates about taking the progesterone shots and the suppositories and all that stuff. And I even convinced one surrogate not to take the suppositories because they're disgusting. Um, sorry for the men listening, but you know, you never know when you stand up and it all comes gushing out. And you're like, at the grocery store, at a meeting, giving a presentation. You're like, this is awesome. I told the surrogate, no, do the shots. I don't care if it's a big needle, just do the shots. She'll be happier. Um, so, yeah, but it started in California really by case law. There was this surrogate um, who uh, decided that um, she didn't want, uh, or she wanted the baby. And she had a contract. It was actually handle on the law. It was his contract. Um, but she decided she wanted to keep the baby and went all the way to the California Supreme Court. And they said, well, wait a second. You're trying to tell us that you didn't know what you were doing and you had your own attorney and you signed the contract and the contract said it's their embryo with their genetics and you're not going to be a parent. And in my contract, it's, it's, you know, it's all over the contract, right? Um, and they said, no, this is the 19th century and women know what they're doing and they know their own minds and they can do what they want with their bodies is what California said. Um, so, yeah, but I don't know if you know about this case in New Jersey, New York, shockingly, just got a statute um, in 2022 regarding surrogacy because in the 70s, surrogacy obviously was we're just going to put some sperm in you and you're going to carry the baby and um we're going to raise the baby. You're not. Um, and it was Mary Beth Whitehead, um, baby M case. Um, and she said, wait a second, I don't want to, I don't want to place this baby with you. It's my genetic child. Um, it was a huge case. I think, you know, went all over the world, but definitely the United States. And so the East coast, interestingly, because of that case, they were really anti surrogacy. Whereas the West coast, with like the Johnson case and everything, we were kind of pro-surrogacy. So they've since shifted um, and realized that most surrogacy is not genetic, like the Mary Beth Whitehead, that was her genetics. It's gestational, meaning, you know, I'm not connected. So it's a little brief history on surrogacy. We could go farther back. Yeah, interesting. I actually, I mean, let's, let's go into that because I am curious, you know, just from a surrogacy 101, just kind of like the breakdown um, yeah, let's just start there because there's so many questions I have. So There is. And that's good because I talk to people all over the world and especially 
in Europe. And I think a lot of people just have a misunderstanding about surrogates. Some people think that they're forced, you know, like the parents are like paying them. I remember reading an article recently, like Kim Kardashian only paid her surrogate $35,000. And I'm like, well, that's the going rate. (laughs) Just because you're Kim Kardashian, if you pay $200,000, then that could look like coercion. And even I would say, hey, I want to be your surrogate, right? So, but they didn't get the nuance. They just said, you know, why is she paying? You know, and that really is kind of the going rate. California is a little bit higher. This was a few years ago. It's like 45, 50. Um, So I talk to the clients all over the world and I tell them, listen, nobody's forcing these women to be a surrogate. Nobody's pushing them into this. They actually you know, contact an agency, they either make a phone call, they, you know, put a request online. And the first step is a very detailed, very lengthy application process. I don't even know if I would fill it out. It's like pages and pages. And I know really it's, it's a, but you know, you're going to be carrying a baby for somebody else. So, you know, what's your medical history, your grandmother's, your aunt's, your mother's, I mean, your second cousin twice removed. It really does feel that way. And then, of course, because you're going to be matched with somebody, they want to know your personality. What do you like? Are you outgoing? Are you quiet? Are you, I mean, did you go to college? You know, what do you do for fun? Oh, my, what's your favorite movie? It's like, it goes on and on and on. Yeah. So a lot of women don't even complete that. But the ones that do, then they meet with the agency. And it's a 45-minute to an hour interview process on everything like the medical process because we get calls hey um you know being in san diego a lot of military i remember this one gal calls me she's like okay i'm gonna be deployed next week and i have a baby and i have nobody to care for him and i can't be deployed so i need to get pregnant can i come and and you know get an embryo inside me i'm like oh my gosh what part of biology like like right even some women can i come down and give you some eggs Oh, we're like, oh, sweetie, no, it's not really how it works, right? Yeah. Eggs are not like sperm, but, right? Um, so it's a process. So she, she talks to the, the intake person, you know, what's it about, the procedure, tells her, you know, as you know, being pregnant is not easy. And women right now are definitely saying that. I mean, I tell them during the contract process, listen, you could be deep disabled. You could, you could die. It's not likely, especially California's as you know, great healthcare for that. And they've got that crash cart and everything. Um, so they do no, like most, a lot of states don't, but I'm sure you know that better than I. Um, so yeah, so we go, they go over that whole process. They talk about, you know, selective reduction. That isn't such a huge thing as much anymore. Cause thank God doctors are putting in one embryo. Yeah. We're not octo momming it anymore. Yep. No. Oh my gosh. Was that horrifying? That was just, we were all horrified. Did that doctor lose his license or was he there any sort of, wasn't there like some sort of legal thing around that? He lost it. Talk about do no harm. Right. I mean, and she had already had six children. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. That was, horrifying but anyway so yes um (laughs) right and then like a lot of my babies you know for the past you know when I started we had twins we had triplets NICU NICU right sure you've Mm -hmm. seen some oh yeah it's interesting how much it's changed over the years even since Mm -hmm. we've been NICU nurses how different IVF 
the process is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you see one, it's just one. It's very rare where we have um, twins and triplets. I can't tell you the last time I had a triplet pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Thank God. Right. We'd all be horrified when they were triplets. Um, so, but you have to talk to the surrogate about this, you know, embryos can split, right? I have one triplet pregnancy where they put the last two embryos mm -hmm. into the surrogate because they were the worst ones and they weren't going to take and she got triplet. Wow. Uh, she got an identical, um, but they were in their own little, as, as the, as the father called it, they were in their own little separate uh, restaurant. So they had their own sack and their own placentas. Restaurant. He's a foodie. So Love that's it. how. But, he, but right, the agency talks to the surrogate about this. There's a contract. There's, you know, there's psychologists involved, right? You have to have a psychological screening, the MMPI. You meet with the doctor. You know, he does your, you know, vaginal ultrasound. He checks to make sure um, that everything's sound. We have to get your medical records. I have to tell you, at this point, I think maybe. I don't know, 25% of the women, maybe 15, drop out because it's it's a village, right? Um, and then after that, you know, you, you get your medical records and you ha they have to get it directly from the doctor's office because they don't want them doctored. So that takes time, especially now with COVID because, um, you know, everybody's a little bit overworked. Um, so, and then once they get that, then they have to send it to the physician to review. See, most women are like, I'm out, right? And then at this point you get matched and then you go to the match meeting and then you meet with the psychologist, you meet with the doctor, then you, you have your legal contract. And, so, and I tell these people, especially in Europe, I say, and you do realize that the surrogate hasn't made one dime. She hasn't been paid yet until she does that, starts her injections. Mm -hmm. She doesn't get paid. So these women really do this. The first reason is they do it because they feel really badly that there's people in the world that can't have children, right? So they feel super badly about that. And number two, they love being pregnant. They love everything about it. They love how they feel. They love the attention. Um, I've talked to women who've just had horrible pregnancies and they're like, I, I can't even get that. Like, how is that possible? Um, but they do, they love everything about it. And then the money's not bad. You know, they, they help their kids through college, they buy a house, stuff like that. So this is all really, I talk to my, especially my international clients, and then they feel much better and they go, okay. How many of your <laughs> clients are international versus here in the U.S.? Because we've seen both being Previous, nurses. Mm -hmm. Right. You guys see a lot. I would say for me, I had more international than U.S. pre-COVID. Oh. Way more. Interesting. Way more. French, Spanish, Chinese, you know, all over the world. Um, but now with COVID, we are seeing international come back, especially with, you know, Ukraine and what's happening. They were a big hub for surrogacy and that's obviously shut down right now. Um, but we're seeing a lot of U.S. for sure. Because what happened with COVID is IVF centers shut down in the beginning and then they realized, oh my gosh, I've, I've waited to have a baby and I can't wait anymore. So yeah, so we're seeing a lot were there of there cases during COVID where people like were currently a surrogacy and then COVID closed down the borders and they have the baby and oh like that just oh yeah that was as soon fun. as you said COVID I was just like oh, wait a sec I didn't think what about, about that. all the like surrogacies that were in progress wow I can't even tell you uh, the work to get the clients here 
with their countries, the letters and the and the back and the forth, and they're contacting the State Department, and we're sending letters, and we're sending documents and doctor's notes and everything just to get them here. Um, and then and then they had to get home with emergency authorization because nobody could get a passport. Yeah. I mean, and the people in China, I mean, really are very, that's the worst country to get out because, you know, zero COVID policy. So there were surrogates and nanny services that stepped up to take care of the babies. And then um, for the Europeans, they could get in. It was tough. I remember one of my clients was having a tough time getting out. Um, and she was in Houston when that big outbreak happened. And so I had to contact the vital records and I said, listen, you can barely support your, your citizens. She's not even a national of the U.S. If she gets COVID, she's going to take resources away from citizens. So get her out. Oh, man, they got her birth certificate in a hot second. Yeah, Texas doesn't like, like oh, to yeah, pay for people home. that they don't have to. <laughs> okay, wait, I want to right? know this. Yeah. Like, okay, because obviously, for whatever reason, you know, surrogacy in general is just, it's very taboo. But I'm really curious the difference between, like, U.S. and... Like, why are so many foreigners, why do they need to come here to find a surrogate? Like, what's the nuance of that? Okay, but really quick, we love a hydrated queen. <laughs> Absolutely. Thirsty vibes over here, drinking all the water in my hydro jug. You are literally, you are getting so hydrated and I am obsessed. Am I not glowing or what? Absolutely. You guys, we are talking hydro jug. This is the best insulated water bottle on the market. It holds up to a half gallon of water so you can hydrate more and refill less. It has a leak-proof seal, which is great because I'm always dropping everything. There's also three jug options, glass, stainless steel, BPA-free. It has a huge wide mouth opening, which makes it super easy to add ice or fruit to it. And then the one that we have, the stainless steel, has a built-in straw, which makes it so nice because you don't have to like tip it up to try to drink out of it. Yeah, it also has this amazing integrated handle, which makes it easy to carry and also drink. They have 40 different combinations of colors and patterns. It's fashionable. It's eco-friendly. We love this for us. They even make like these other cool sleeves that you can slip them into to help carry it around. So it's nice to bring to the gym that way or especially like work for your 12-hour shift. Yeah. And well, you know, okay, I was thinking about this. I'm like, it may not feel like a big deal having to refill your water bottle at work, but if you don't have access to filtered water, which I personally much prefer, I'm just saying like, this is so much easier far less annoying. It's just a one-stop shop. You fill it up, you go to work and you just drink and hydrate up. It's also a good way to kind of track and make sure you're getting in that like half gallon or if you really want to go for it, drink two of them a day and live your best life. Absolutely. And of course, this is a great way for you guys to help support the show. Head over to hydrojug.com and use the code SELFIE, C-E-L-L-F-I-E to get 10% off of your order today. Again, head over to thehydrojug.com use code selfie c-e-l-l-f-i-e and get that 10 percent off a uh, really good gift for your preceptor cough mm, cough hint hint we love this for us all right let's get back into the show because um most of the places in europe with the exception of like um ukraine and greece and i think cyprus um it's illegal you can't you can barely do egg donation in europe wow. that's why they go to spain um, yeah, so because they feel that a woman doesn't know her own mind um, and can't carry a child for somebody else voluntarily. They think it's baby selling. And, um, you know, I, I had my own surrogacy. I paid my surrogate. I, I really 
didn't pay her the going rate, but I paid her. Oh my gosh, she carried my twins. She could have ruined her health. I mean, that was, I tell people, I said, listen, it's not like a job where it's like nine to five or 12 to 12 or whatever. And she can say, oh yeah, I don't want to be pregnant right now. I'm going to, you know, clock out. I go, it's 24 seven. I mean, yes, pay this woman. She's doing serious work, but they really like France, Germany, um, Spain, they're really against it. So each country has their own little nuance about it and how we have to get our couples back home so they can live with their babies. Each country is different. France is pretty tricky, but we know how to do it. You kind of mentioned that most surrogacies are not, they're just the carrier and they have no genetic component, but how many are actually like donated or What's I the guess nuance even, with yeah, that? Just, yeah, or even we call it yeah. genetic okay. surrogacy, not traditional. I would say I do about one a year. Okay. It's not that much. I, I remember this one case. Oh my gosh. The surrogate just tried and tried and tried. And it was a donor egg client in Hawaii. And the surrogate just turned to the agency and she goes, you know, this is not working. I, I have good eggs. I was an egg donor. I'll be their traditional surrogate. I'll, I'll do it for them. I'll, I'll be their genetics. And the, the antenna mother just broke down. She was so moved. So we, we got a new psych because it's different now because, you know, she's just part of her genetics. Um, she passed that. First transfer worked. And um, they sent me a picture with her and her little baby. So I know. See? What's it? Okay. So, so is women it tradi- just, some women can do so that. So it's traditional versus yeah. gestational. Is that correct? The terminology of or genetic. Yeah. We say that's easier for, I guess you and your, for your audience. We're, we're calling it genetic now because she's genetically connected, but you know, the audience really knows it by traditional versus gestational. I just say though, that, you know, when those women can do it, I've met them like Australia, that's typically the surrogacy that they do because it's tricky to do surrogacy in Australia as well, um, you know, because they're a Commonwealth country and surrogacy is is done in the UK, but it's not it's not as good as a program because if the surrogate wants to become the mother, she can, even though they've signed a contract and there's nothing that parents can do. So a lot of people from the UK come here because as you can imagine, you That's don't want to have that gray area, yeah. right? Like I, I wouldn't, I don't know how they do it in the UK. I really don't because coming from me and a surrogacy, like mine was gestational and my surrogate would get asked this question all the time. You know, she just, she just wait for it. She'd go, so don't you want to keep the babies? And she'd go, people, listen, number one, not mine, not my genetics. Number two, she was a single mom with a two-year-old and a four-year-old. She was what do I want with newborn twins? People, think about this. Twins, snow. Mm. She did exactly what every good surrogate does. She gave birth to them. She looked at them. She actually helped feed one. And then she said, okay, here, mom and dad, I'm going to take a two-day nap. <laughs> and you'll see me then. Yeah, so. Yeah. What's the process? Yeah. So in terms of, because there's a lot of different, obviously, complexities with this egg donation like what are there I'm sure there's a lot of women that choose to donate an embryo or an egg what's that process like 
So that's that's uh, stimulating your you know ovaries obviously to produce more than one egg, more than one follicle, and um, there's a ton of egg donors that will do it now, even with the advent of 23andMe and Ancestry.com, because they definitely have a very good understanding that they're not going to be anonymous, and a child could come knocking on mm-hmm. their door, you know, and say, "Hey, you are my egg donor." Yeah, before I started, there was nothing like mm. that. And some of my clients would be like, Stephanie, I'm not even going to tell my doctor. And I'd say, you know, that's their decision, you know, right? Um, but, you know, the child probably will do a 23andMe. Um, so, yeah. So, but yeah, the egg donors, um, they don't have to do the caring part. Um, when I did IVF, you did everything together. So if it was an egg donor surrogate cycle, the doctor kind of had to time it. He had to get the surrogate's uterus ready, all fluffy and, you know, thick to accept the embryo. And you had to get the egg donor with their follicles already in a certain size so that you could aspirate them and then, you know, mix the egg and the sperm, create some embryos, wait three days and transfer it. Now they do it separately. You get your egg donor first if you need one. You create your embryos and then you look for your surrogate. And the medication is like six to ten days instead of like weeks for me. So it's really much easier. But the egg donors are great. They really, again, they do exactly what a traditional surrogate does. They don't look at it as, you know, they look at it as I'm helping somebody else have their child. It's not going to be my child. So they really have a, you know, really healthy attitude. And, of course, it helps them pay for college. How how much do egg donors make? Yeah, that's a great question. On average, you can make, uh, you start about eight to $10,000, sometimes lower, depending upon, but... I have to say, you know, I had a full Chinese uh, egg donor of $30,000, Ivy League. And it's higher. If, you, if you're a top model, let's say, right, you're, you're modeling, you're going to model, but you also want to be an egg donor, you're going to miss three days of work. Well, what was that for you? $75,000? I've seen some egg donors pretty high. Wow. I, I've not dealt with the $75,000 egg donor, but yeah. At the end of the day, I've had doctors tell me, listen, is a $50,000, a $30,000 egg donor going to have better eggs than, you know, a $5,000 egg donor? Right. Probably not. Negotiation. Right. <laughs> right. And that's what people say to me. Well, how do you feel about that, Stephanie? I'm like, it's a free market. And I always tell the men, oh, my gosh. When I'm at parties, the men are adorable because they say, oh, how much is my sperm worth? Ten bucks. And I'm like, Fifty to seventy-five dollars. Yes. Okay. But if Thank you were you. a woman, I more expensive meals. <laughs> yes, right. And I'm like, hey, it's one place, one place where women make significantly more. Now they have to go through, you know, the medical procedure, mm-hmm. but it's it's very minor. It's like ten minutes. I saw it being done, and I was like, really? All that work for me? Those weeks of shots, mm-hmm. all those ultrasounds, all that. You know, I, I have to go in, I have to like not eat, blah, 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 you know, get put under and you spend 10 minutes. But, right. But I mean, I'm sure it's, it's a comprehensive like process for the application and the screening and all that. But what are just some of the oh, like, it's, baseline it's the like things that an egg donor so, like, or, like minimum requirements without getting into the right? extensive um, medical history and background, et cetera. Yeah. So you have to be between the ages of 21 and 34, but really in your 20s is better. You're getting up to 29, 30. 
um, you're usually not, you, you've usually aged out by then. I have some friends, I'm like, mm, no. Mm, <laughs> I could not. Too old. Yeah, wow. too old. Yeah. So that's it. Not non smoker, because, you know, smoking really damages your eggs. I, embryologists can look and they can tell a smoker by looking at wow. the embryo. Wow. Actually. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that either. Yeah. And, the, I don't know, and they test you. Yeah, it's, it's all fragmented. So, and they can test for that. They test you for, you know, recreational drugs. Um, they don't want you obviously, you know, doing your, you know, edibles or, um, you know, pot right now. So, you know, no alcohol. I know, right? <laughs> you have to be pretty clean for a few weeks. So, you know, right. um, so yeah. And they were, you know, you, you have to give up some time. Like, you know, you have to figure out, you know, a lot of them do it during summer. So that's definitely the baseline, right? And you have to pass the health screening, the MMPI, the psychological screening, because they definitely want to make sure that you're stable. You're not genetically connected to your embryos. You don't look at the as your children, right? So it is a much easier process in some ways, obviously, than being a surrogate, because a surrogate, you know, you're carrying and delivering mm-hmm. the baby. It's usually a year process, and there's a court process. There's no court process. We have a contract. Um, for egg donation. So now like how you mentioned, make it, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I make it seem like so easy. (laughs) (laughs) You mentioned 23 and me though. And that's super interesting. Are you now starting to see kind of that Um, affects your business? Yeah. Well, um, there's still a lot of women who will do it, but I have to say for the women that are really afraid of that, they, they, will not raise their hand. I got had an egg donor um, reach out to me. I did all three of her uh, contracts for her. I represented her. She was an egg donor three times, um, 2005. And she reached out to me because of um, the Netflix show, mm-hmm. Our Father. Our, yeah. And, yeah. Yes. Yes. That, that horror movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I know, right? I can tell you. I tell you. We could talk about that like for an hour. <laughs> Anyway, so she called me and she said, Stephanie, I've really been thinking about this. I was very adamant. I wanted to be anonymous. But now I realize that, you know, doing research and watching these shows and everything that I I really feel that if the parents want their child to know, you know, where they came from, I'm very open to this. And she had just um, fostered a child and adopted a child. So, and then I reached out to the agency and they're like, oh my gosh, this is fantastic. We're going to reach out to her recipients and let them know. So I've definitely seen that for sure. I haven't contacted like the adamant parents about anonymity because it's gone. It really is just, it's completely gone. I have to say even before that, I had an actress in LA um, and um, she was searchable. She had a little slightly unusual name and I was talking to her. She's definitely, I'm really worried that, you know, if you just put in a few keywords, I'm going to pop up. And I said, okay, well, let me do it. I'm on the phone with her. And I'm like, her first name, like Meredith, Los Angeles actress. I'm like, oh, is that you in the little pale green shirt? She's like, yes. (laughs) So even Google and the reverse search really kind of ruined anonymity, you know, with that reverse picture search. But 23andMe just killed it completely in Ancestry.com. So we definitely talked to them about it. And most of them are fine. Mm -hmm. Because women, unlike male sperm donors, Women never think of it as their children. They just really don't. Mm-hmm. Men always do. If you write like the articles, I have 500 kids. No, you and don't. You really don't. <laughs> yeah, you don't. Mm-hmm. They're not your kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
What's the cost of the full surrogacy process? I'm curious. Like from soup to nuts, oh. like what? Yeah, I was gonna say Ballpark. that's yeah, yeah. Especially with COVID, every made everything more expensive, and it made if you have to do a surrogacy and egg donation, and it's with an agency, you don't have a friend or a family member, um, you're gonna spend at least one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Wow. Yeah. How many of the surrogacy situations are? completely you know going through an agency and using someone that you don't know versus you have a friend or family to be your surrogate most of them are through an agency i mean i was very blessed to find somebody it was a much younger cousin (laughs) not not this one not me because she was she was too tiny then yeah yeah she's too young um, but as a much younger cousin who um, who just raised her hand, because I'd actually just put a group email out and said, listen, I spent seven years with IVF, we're tapped out, I, I can't afford an agency, which, oh my gosh, ag- the agency price when I was doing it for total, just surrogacy was $65,000 way back in 2000, 1999. Gosh, I thought that was like hugely expensive. Yeah, so it's really expensive. I'm actually working with a couple and I just gave them some ideas because they really don't want to do an agency they they can afford it but we're we're with a couple right now they're about ready to have their baby and they really couldn't and they were lucky to find somebody it's hard it's hard to find somebody i think though because most of the women um are older right because you know they either got married older you know they're in their 40s you know late 40s you know, I was going to ask, like, the demographic of, yeah. of your clients, like, what's the, the span of that? Like, who's seeking, you know, yeah. surrogacy as an option? They're usually in their late 30s, 40s, and 50s, right? So they usually are older, you know. They didn't get married later. They forgot to have kids. They thought that they could, you know, they had forever. Um, you know, they women, as you know, fall off the cliff sooner than men so you know somebody said to me at a party yeah you guys are born with all the eggs you know right I'm like yeah I know that Biology. I guess not a lot of women know that right and they're as old as you are so I was very blessed one of my doctors said to one of my clients don't think you're going to be Stephanie and you're going to have twins with your own genetics at 40 that does not happen right like I, I tell people I had great eggs and a lousy uterus right which is true but yeah, no. So you, you just think that, you know, you're going to, you're going to be able to do it forever. I mean, bless Courtney Kardashian, but at 43 years old. Mm, interesting. Yeah. 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 What about our LBG, yeah. you know, same sex couples? Is that, a, you know, obviously you're a piece of your clientele. Yeah. That. Yeah. That's a, that's a good part of it. They're usually in their thirties to forties. Um, sometimes they're older though, but yeah, and they've usually got their moms all excited for, you know, the grandmas for the paying, helping, you know, to pay for it. Cause I just met somebody and he's an only child and his mother is just beyond because she never thought that she would be a grandparent mm-hmm. because he's same sex. So she's just thrilled. So, but they are a little bit slightly younger demographic for the most part, because I think they've, you know, always known that they're going to need some assistance, clearly, right? They don't, as I like to say, yeah, you don't have the girl parts. Um, so I think they've been saving up for a little bit for this, whereas the women, I think they just still, I think we just probably need to do better in biology, right? I don't know. 
I remember talking at Cal State San Marcos to these women about egg donation and this blonde gal, she's getting ready to graduate. And she's like, yeah, no, maybe a sophomore, junior. She's looking at me and I'm talking to her, talking to you about, you know, how women, you know, you're most fertile when you're, you know, 24, 25, 26. Um, that's the best time to have a baby. And she looks at me and she goes, I'm going to graduate then. Like, yeah, that's the reality for so a, many of us. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like, she's like, I don't want to have a baby, yeah, right? right? It's like so not fair. And I'm like, I know. But now you can freeze your eggs. I mean, if you, it's not a surefire thing, right? Because eggs are water and sperm is protein. So protein, like you freeze an ice cube and it quickly melts. That's kind of what an egg is. You know, whereas you freeze meat, hot dog, protein can last a long time. So, but it, right. I know I love the way. That brings it down, actually. Returnee says, right. She says, wow, you can like talk to children. I'm like, like, I want everybody to understand what I'm saying. I'm I'm not, I'm not at a, you know, medical conference speaking to, you know, physicians. And even if I am though, I always break it down. Right. Because I live it and I know it. But yeah, so that's why even freezing your eggs is still fragile. The process is enormously better, though. So for everybody listening, if you think you might want to have a baby, you don't know for sure, just freeze those eggs. Do it in your 20s, but even your early 30s is better. Sam's about to go through that. We love that for you. I think so. I had a console. Really? Well, I'm 36. You did? I had a console. That's, That's still okay. But I'm like, well, so that was what, last month mm-hmm. was the consult. So I just have to also figure out the timing of work and all that stuff. But my, I'm fortunate that my new job covers $25,000 in fertility oh. treatment. Oh, my gosh. That's I like, have to pay my out-of-pocket what, deductible first before any of that kicks in. But that's 2500 yeah. Most people spend a lot more than 2500 to freeze their eggs. Right. So it would be kind of silly yeah, and, not and, and, to take advantage right and you're only gonna have to have one day off hopefully no but i mean i travel for work so it's so time sensitive of like that's like where i'm trying to work out like because i go to i go out of the state for work and i'm just like okay like you don't you can't really pick your day like you don't know when Mm -hmm. based on your labs no they'll they'll give you yeah they'll give you three days yeah that's it so i just need to like do a little bit of planning to just make sure that I'm like you can be gonna not be on any work trips for a month or so just to kind of yeah. give myself space yeah. or like make sure I like I would give yourself a month yeah so it's yeah. in the work and though. you're young enough to where you might hyperstim. I didn't hyperstim, and I did I, I did the egg retrievals in my I started at 35 okay. so I didn't hyperstim. Yeah, yeah, that's a little. It's definitely an overwhelming, like. Uh, yeah, but, it is. It's you know, I have a family member that's been going through IVF, and I'm just like, okay, mm-hmm. I. That's a roller coaster. Well, it is, and then it watching is. them not have the insurance coverage is tough, and it sucks. I feel for them, and I'm like, all right, well, I am mm. fortunate to work for like corporate corporation now that has that that is part of the insurance yeah. benefits because most people don't have that coverage that it's only going to cost me a fraction. So I should like, honestly, the only reason I got my master's degree is because my hospital gave tuition reimbursement. 
So I'm kind of like an opportunist. I'm like, if there's free money out there, I'm going to leave no stone unturned and use it all. So I'm like, I don't know if I I ever want kids. I don't know that I'll ever use them. I might freeze them and they might sit there forever. But I don't want to decide in five years that I do want them and be like, damn, I should have done it when I was 36. Right. And then he'll look at you and you go, you know, Sam, if you froze your mm-hmm. eggs at 30 in your thirties and you'd be like, yeah, you know yeah. what? I have to tell you the process is easier than you think. Yeah. It, it's so easier for me. It was just starting the first shots. And remember when I did it, I had to break glass vials. Oh my God. Yeah. The shot, pin. the egg retrieval, so, like the whole IVF process seems very, yeah. You know, that's way more intensive as far as the meds go and all of that. But for the actual egg retrieval, it's like it a is. couple weeks of subcutaneous injections. I'm like, oh, that's easy peasy. Mm-hmm. That's not terrible at well, all. Well, mine were. I am, but yeah. yours are sub So <laughs> I think I just need to, yeah, get the ball no. rolling. It's, it's really easier. And you've probably done all your AMH, which I have to say now with the AMH, before or in my early days of practicing, you know, a lot of canceled cycles with egg donors because they just had the day threes, um, which is your FSH, your estradiol, and your estrogen. And now with the AMH, they can really pinpoint yeah. who's fertile and who's not. My AMH so was we good. don't have the canceled <laughs> cycle. Awesome. Oh, yeah, so, then I would do that. Yeah, and it said that. based on yeah. age that I should have a normal amount for age. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm that's going to go down so i'm like at that last little you know where it's gonna really dramatically drop off so i'm like all right let me just do it i hope you'll be like me and you'll have a good amh until you're like 40 41 well i kind of like let me just i'm still 36 let me just get them frozen and call it a day and then chill call it a day yeah Yeah. Yeah. we'll see we'll keep you guys updated on this uh, journey love it yeah so okay question though so mm-hmm. we were talking about all these requirements for like egg donors and surrogates and stuff there's like no sperm donor requirements is there or is there not like oh, i know I back in the day it was always a joke there... where it's like oh you know starving college students would go like donate sperm to buy a pizza like you know right no it really wasn't yeah. you and the parents would get one thing six one blue yeah, eyes yeah. brown hair meds do it you know, likes to play soccer. Yeah, right, right, <laughs> right, right. That's all they would get. So the sperm donor community is trying to come up to the egg donor community. Um, they're trying, they're starting to, because we've always had like, you know, legal contracts, mm-hmm. your own attorney, medical screenings, psychological screenings, you know, so they are they're definitely trying to come up to that. And they're also trying to, um, so they're trying to come to that with a screening because I'm there's a case where um, a sperm donor was able to lie and say that he was a medical student and he was actually, I think he was schizophrenic. Oh, that's great. Um, and yeah, and a drug dealer. So that was bad. So no background check, clearly, because we do background okay. checks on everybody. So, right. Um, so now since, you know, they got sued, you know, this is recently mm. too. So the sperm donor, um, banks are trying to, you know, elevate and do that. They're also doing a little bit more medical screening because egg donor, the screening, I mean, it's like everything under the sun. Like I, I had to tell one egg donor who had fragile X, which they don't, they didn't test for that for men. I'm like, Oh my gosh, talk about a double standard. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so I actually had that conversation with her and to tell her that, you know, sorry, you, you tested for this. Um, 
um, I don't, she didn't really get it. She's like, well, I'm fine. I'm like, yes, you're fine. And your children are going to be fine, but it's your grandchildren that aren't. Mm-hmm. So, so then she met with a geneticist. So they are trying to do that. They're also trying to limit um, how many vials they give out um, so that one sperm, or, sperm donor doesn't have 55 children. Um, but they're not doing a great job of that because what they do is they say, well, this zone can only have so many vials right. for this sperm donor. But what about when they send it to Australia mm-hmm. or, you know, France or Portugal or South America? Because that's not that zone in the United States. So they're more, doing so. okay. Yeah, but they're not doing a great job. What about, so to adopt a baby, that's also a crazy process of just money, legality, crazy. and then meeting certain requirements and all of that. Is there any sort of requirements for like intended parents or just if you well, have the money to just, pay for it, you can do it. I, people used to tell me when I was going through infertility, why don't you just adopt? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Which That's, is so insensitive to say it. like, That's it's really like even right. just an easy process to adopt or like you yeah. just fuck off people. <laughs> that makes me mad. That's really, that's really what I say. You know, my miscarriages, it was meant to be. Oh, oh. I mean, just say, I'm sorry. I just like, want to punch sorry. them in the face and be like, sorry, it was meant to be. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, meant to punch you in the face. Um, so adoption is a process. I don't do, I, I, if I do something, it's step parent adoption. It is a process because at the end of the day, you can be matched and it is not cheap. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, you're, you're supporting the, that, um, birth mother for at least the last three months mm-hmm. um, right so it's not inexpensive and you're paying attorney's fees and if you go through an adoption agency and at the end of the day she can change your mind mm-hmm. and then you've just spent forty five fifty thousand dollars mm-hmm. so that's a process in and of itself i know i know the people um who are some of the people who were supporting roe versus wade um, definitely feel that they'll get more babies. Oh, the supply chain, the domestic supply chain of babies yes, in the United States. Yes, of babies. And that's that's one of the things for the, you know, adoption is down because women aren't having babies. And so if we force women to have children, then there's going to be more kids to adopt. So, Speaking of which, I'm actually which really is, curious about that for how it's affecting Roe versus Wade. How is that going to affect fertility fertility, and the surrogacy process and all of this? Right. So, because in my contract, I used to have to tell my intended parents, listen, I know the surrogate has agreed to terminate a pregnancy, which doesn't happen very often, people. You know, these embryos are tested. Nobody goes into this process wanting to terminate a pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're spending they're a lot of difficult. money to to bring life into this world. Right, right. It's gut-wrenching, yeah. gut-wrenching for my parents and my surrogates. So it was in my contract. It's a constitutional right for a woman to carry a baby. So we don't have that anymore, obviously, because it's not anymore. Um, so the surrogates definitely do agree still to uh, terminate or reduce a pregnancy. Um, if, typically, if there's a genetic abnormality, if there's something wrong. And some parents actually don't care, and they you know, but, you know, obviously some do. Um, and so for those states that where there's a ban, we actually have a clause that they will travel outside the state to where it's legal. If it's illegal, um, like, so if we have a Texas surrogate, an Oklahoma surrogate, oh my gosh, how many states, Arizona, 
Um, I heard today that the ban in Alabama was stayed, Louisiana, Tennessee. I mean, just that whole middle swath of the country for the most part. So that is what we have. Um, I don't know for my clients who are in states. Um, I don't think people really thought this through who voted for um, this situation, thought this through that it's going to affect their IVF Mm -hmm. because there are states. um, I think Oklahoma was one where a a child is at fertilization. Well, that's an embryo. Mm -hmm. So that's considered a child. Mm -hmm. And, and an IVF, you know, you'll hear where, Oh, they throw away the embryos. They destroy the non viable embryos. They're not viable, meaning they're not good. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, it's not right. going to be a child in any way, shape, or form, mm-hmm. but they can't do that. Um, and, you know, in Texas, how is that going to be restricted? You know, how is that going to be policed? How is that going to be enforced? What's going to happen to those IVF centers? You know, so it's all up in the air. But definitely in the states, um, like like Texas and Oklahoma, it's, it's going to be regulated. There's no doubt about it. I mean, it. do you think that um, fertility doctors from those states are probably just going to have to leave and move their practice then if they're like not able to practice at the level that they used to be able to? I think some of them are. I think also my clients are, you know, a lot of people are going to move their embryos yeah. out of the state. Yeah. I can see that sucks happening. for women that like doctors people moving. don't see the other side of this, that like no. there's going to be women that have tried so hard to have a baby and now aren't getting access to, fertility services or IVF and things like that as a result right. of Roe v. Wade overturning. Like it's so much more than just abortion. So much more. And at that, it's so difficult to do the IVF because we don't have insurance that pays for it. You know, it's not like, you know, and I know those health programs are not perfect, yeah. but it's not like Canada and the UK mm-hmm. where they have those systems and France mm-hmm. where they'll pay for it. Right. To a certain point, obviously, they don't usually pay for egg donations. Some do, but we don't have that. So IVF, just the IVF, not even the medication, which is medications like $10,000. And IVF is around $45,000. So you're looking at $55,000 and then now it's restricted. And now, like now you have to travel. Mm -hmm. So and how are you going to get monitored? Because you have to be monitored. Mm -hmm. Let's say, okay. You're in Texas and you're like, it's, I'm not going to do my IVF here. It's restricted. I won't have full control over my embryos and what can, what can be done. Um, so I'm going to do it in California. Well, now you have to travel and, you know, flights are very expensive and hotels and it just makes it so much more difficult. And of course there's talk about restricting travel, which is a constitutional right. We are free to travel. In my contract, I restrict surrogates to the state where they live because we're going to do a parentage order. And, you know, there's some states where it's more difficult or it's it's not recognized. Like Arizona is a difficult state if you have to get a parentage order. Michigan, it's illegal. So you don't want a surrogate to move to Michigan. But again, we have a constitutional right that a person is free to travel, even in the contract. Like I tell them, yes, she really could leave but then she'd be in breach. So she'd have to pay the fees, additional costs for legal. If she used, comes back for the birth to California or wherever she's at. But are they going to restrict that now? Because women are traveling to get abortion care, the health care they need, right. you know? And of course, for me, my surrogates, my intended parents, if they're in Texas, they're in Oklahoma, 
You would think it's so backwards because in your line of work, you're actually doing the opposite. So it's like, it's so weird to me because the, it's so hypocritical and insane to me that, you know, you're in that line of work where for people who are unable to, are trying to bring life into this world. And it's just, it doesn't make sense. Just doesn't literally make sense. Doesn't They're make sense. desperate to have a baby. Right. Desperate. And not everybody is able to care for a severely, and that's typically what happens because you know the embryos are tested. So that typically typically is what happens. Severe birth defect anomaly. And not everybody is equipped. I remember the surrogate who actually that's her job. She takes care of um, children with challenges and, and birth defects. And then Ted parents said, will you terminate? And she said, yes, absolutely. I mean, she knows yeah. what that yeah. day to day is like for people. I don't think I could so to say for a right. surrogate, like right. at, right? being a NICU like, nurse and then going into pediatrics yeah. later after seven we years see of NICU, what parents go through. I commend parents of chronically ill children. And I don't, I mean, I guess oh. once you're put in a position, you you do what you need to do. I don't think any of them were ever ready for it, prepared for it. And they rose to the occasion and I applaud them because I look at them and I'm like, I don't know that I could do that. That is insanely hard. And there's not, you, you can't, I'm not a judgy person. So, you know, my poor husband, he's like, well, what if we get a baby with down syndrome? I go, then we get, what we get, he's like freaked out. He's like, cause he's, he would have rose to the occasion, but I don't think he feels he's capable mm-hmm. of doing that. And there, some people like, honestly just aren't. Right. Because there are some, they just some aren't. parents are amazing at with the, those children. And I'm like, literally believe that you were meant to not, I don't know. I don't have a good word for it, but it was like, yeah. you, those children were given to you because they knew they were going to be well taken yeah. care of. But I've seen the opposite where I've seen some shitty ass yes. parents not provide their Awful. children with the level of care that they need. And it's absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah. Right. And they can't do yeah. it. So, right. So not everybody can yeah. do that. And for these people who have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars to get to this gut wrenching decision. Mm-hmm. Right. And then have to say, wait, no, now I, I can't make that choice or the surrogate, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, I've seen some surrogates, my surrogates, you know, emergency surgeries. I, I've had a surrogate die. Mm. I was just going to ask if you had to terminate pregnancies because the health of the surrogate was in jeopardy where like, are there clauses in that for the surrogate saying that if they get cancer or if their health becomes in jeopardy, they are able to terminate the pregnancy. Yeah. Their health is always first. That's so Unlike our country, right? right. Their health is always first. They they can make those decisions. There's a medical emergency. It's in the contract. It's, and I tell my surrogates, one surrogate didn't get life insurance because you definitely need life insurance. You're going to be pregnant, right? Mm-hmm. But you don't think about that when you're pregnant for yourself. Yes. And she was single. She's like, Stephanie, I'm not going to get it. I didn't get it my first surrogacy. I'm not going to get it. I'm like, oh my gosh. I go, well, you could die. What about your kids? Not going to get it. But most do. But yeah. So I had this one surrogate. She probably should have terminated. She had, I think, placenta accreta oh. so badly that wow. oh, she bled out. Oh. She was in a coma. Wow. Yeah. Seeing these are seen all these that, things yeah. on, on our side. It, it yeah, does happen. To, yeah. You have to, has to have a hysterectomy. Wow. So thankfully now with the one baby, mm-hmm. mostly when they get pregnant, we don't yeah. have those. We just had one that had high blood pressure 
tiniest little surrogate too. It's like, wow, she looks so healthy and tiny. What the heck? But you, right, you just never well, yeah, know. A lot That's of people have the preeclampsia, the pregnancy-induced yeah, hypertension and stuff. It's like right? your body gets so pregnant say, and goes like, what the fuck? And just goes out of whack sometimes. I don't think people realize it's a foreign yeah, object right. in your body. It's literally like, like a succubus. Like they're like, I lovingly told my best friend when she was pregnant, I'm like, you literally have this like actual um, creature just oh like God. feeding off of you. You yeah. do. And for me, my body, it, it didn't, it didn't suppress. So my body really just went kill, kill, kill. And I would just kill it. Like the times, the one, couple times I got pregnant, they'd say, Oh, 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 there's the heartbeat. But they'd have to dig and find it, you know? And then they'd go, oh, oh. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, what? They're like, oh, you should be this big and you're this big. Because my body just really did. Yeah. You know, it was a foreign object and it just, I just don't have that in my body. And so I don't think we realize how difficult it is on your body right. to be pregnant. Right. I had this physician going through law school with me and I told him, you know, I had a surrogate and I just, you know, I mean, you have to give up things when you have a surrogacy and you're a woman and you think you're going to be pregnant. Um, and he said to me, listen, Stephanie, it's no joke. All your organs get shifted. You, they oh. move around. Your body is never the same. Well, I'm not giving a really good ringing endorsement. <laughs> never the same after you have a pregnancy. Uh, it's the PSA. He was making me feel better. Yeah, yeah. Right. But then there's my sister who like three effortless pregnancies and my mom she would have have had 100 babies but that's why these women who are surrogates right Mm -hmm. effortless they are just like oh i'm pregnant and nine months later oh yeah two pushes there's baby comes out thank god for surrogates is there anything you want to like myth bust about surrogacy or fertility treatments or any of ivy any of this stuff I don't know. We talked about a lot of it, like how it's not easy to do and the cost is, you know, and the emotional toll. I guess we really didn't touch on that emotional toll so much for um, not only, I mean, surrogates do have, you know, they they definitely want to say hello to the baby and goodbye and have that closure. But for the, especially the women, my my same-sex guys, they never expected to be pregnant. So they're, they're fine. Yeah, but the women who have gone through IVF and infertility, like I had a friend tell me she did two IVFs and had two babies. I mean, how is that? I mean, I did 12,000 IVFs and got two kids. But um, she said to me it would never leave me. And she's right. You know, obviously I don't live and breathe and eat it every day like I used to. But it really, people have likened it who work in the field in mental health to cancer treatment and while your life is not on the line you feel like your life is ending you feel very worthless and like your body cannot do what it's supposed to do so you feel like a failure and then all around you your well-meaning well-intentioned friends Mm. are telling you oh isn't sex fun and aren't you having fun trying and oh you know my friend stopped treatment and then she got pregnant and oh you're just like Oh, it was God's way, you know, when you lose the baby and you're just like, so it's really, you, it's really isolating. I mean, I just found that my husband and I really stopped talking to people. I didn't go to baby showers. I didn't go to birthday parties. So you really close yourself off from society. So I don't think you'll really understand how really rough it is to go through it at the end of the day. 
They just think that people, you know, they're doing a surrogacy because they don't want to be pregnant, you know. And I have to say, though, the women who do it for their careers, that's a very valid reason, too. That's a good myth to Because your bust. career does get derailed. Yeah. yeah. Your career gets derailed being pregnant. I worked with a ballerina, and she had no medical condition except for the fact that she was in China and she would lose her job. Yes, do a surrogacy. The surrogate had no problem with that. And the actress who said, finally admitted, yeah, I did a surrogacy because I would lose jobs. Mm -hmm. It's real. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think women get so, like, judged for everything that they do. It's like, you know what? If you have the means to use a surrogate and you're doing it because you're going to, it's going to affect your career or some people, their body is their career. And yeah, so to sit there, you know, like, people be like, yep. that's so vain or shallow that you like don't want to ruin your body. Well, if that's how they make money and they're going to provide for this kid, then shut up and stop judging. No, like, yes. Right. Don't ruin your body. Yeah. All right. Like some people go, oh, you dye your hair or use Botox. And yes. Hello. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Skincare. Yes. <laughs> Amen. Right. But yeah. Yeah. Right. Like if it's not for you, it's not for you, but it's for me. Yeah. Right. So. If someone's looking to, I mean, on the off chance to become a surrogate or like egg donation, like what are some good steps to start with if they wanted to like pursue this? Um, I would say if you want to pursue it, um, definitely look for agencies that have been in business at 10 years. There's so many agencies. Mm. Um, it's, I, I can't really point them off the top of my head to a good egg donor site and, you know, don't go down the rabbit hole of Facebook. Mm-hmm stuff like that. Cause yes, there are good sites for that, but then the anti-abortion community has their own sites when you're looking for egg donation and surrogacy and you can fall into those. Um, so I would definitely look at agencies and they have a lot of information in their blogs for that. Um, if you find a good Facebook group or a good you know, something on Instagram or something, good agency there, talk to them. They probably have former egg donors that can talk to you. Mm-hmm. They have former surrogates that can talk to you. Find a former surrogate, find a former egg donor and talk to, right? You can even contact an IVF center if you want mm-hmm. to. I mean, they're a little busy right now with COVID, but right. They also have, you know, become an egg donor. So start there, but I would definitely just like anything, definitely look at the source, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, sure. and do your homework, you know, just make sure it's not a, you know, a site that really, you know, anti-abortion site. Yeah. So we're going to that situation. Yeah. What does your day-to-day look like? Right? I'm kind of curious, like, what is your, in terms of your practice, like, what does that look like? Um, well, we're, we're not trying to get people in and out anymore. Thank God that was a lot of work. Um, we definitely do, um, consults, you know, with clients. So I'll be meeting them over zoom, which I have to say some people hate zoom, but I kind of, you know, I work out a lot, so I kind of like zoom and yeah, I love I not having to sit in traffic all the time. So if I could yes. do more things virtually, I prefer that. Love it. Right. An hour. I've got an extra hour of my day. I can go work out, come back, do some consults, get on some calls, talk to some antenna parents. Mostly antenna parents want to talk to me because they know I've been an antenna parent. I've had a surrogacy. Mm. So they mostly want to talk to me about it. You know, what was it like? Give me some pointers. Um, You know, how do I find an agency? How do I find an independent, independent surrogate? So that's really what the day to day is like Mm. and meetings and consults and talking to my staff stuff like that and then doing things like this love this actually we love i know i do love this no this has love been a fun one this has been really informative oh yeah because oh, i literally had no idea how yeah. this whole process works you know and 
obviously this is a big topic on everybody's mind, fertility in general and just everything going on. It's just, you know, we don't know how to navigate this situation. And if someone's right, it's a, it's a new day. Yeah. Especially today, it's a new day on how to do it. So we just kind of have to shift and, um, you know, revise some things and see how it goes in the next few months. And, you know, I'm sure people will still have surrogacies. People will still have babies. Women will still have abortions. They've always have. They'll, we'll just figure out a way how to do it. Yes, right? absolutely. Um, okay, so if every anybody wants to reach out or find you, what is the best place to find you? Pimp yourself out. I know. So it's at Surrogacy Lawyer. Um, you can do the little hyphen, the dash, or just plain Surrogacy Lawyer. That's my website. It's, uh, if they want to email me, it's stephanie at surrogacylawyer.com. Just put that little dash between the lawyer, surrogacy and lawyer. So I'm on Instagram. Um, you know, you can Facebook me. One of my friends said, oh my gosh, it's some gal said she couldn't get a hold of me. She's like, okay, I can text her, tweet her, email her, Facebook her, Instagram her. Like you can get you a hold of her. You got options. Right. All the platforms. Yeah, you, you right. You can't say she's of all the people. Like I couldn't get a hold of her. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. And I'm very accessible. I will definitely talk to people for sure. Um, I just want to help as many people have a baby as safely that. as possible. Love, love that. that. Right. Especially like I feel like you're one of the pioneers. You're yeah, like girl, early, from the dark ages. Days. Right. Yeah. The dark ages, yeah. breaking those glass yeah. vials. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Those were the days. I tell my, I tell people and they're like, what? Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh yeah, your medication with that little dial and that little tiny needle. Yeah, that was not me. <laughs> well, I'm like looking at the kids now. I'm like, they're, it's so weird because they're what? 21 now. It's the twins. They're going to be 21. Now. Okay. Yes. Same. I know. It's like, how did that happen? Fully legal. Ugh, love that I for know. them. I know. I do too, yeah. actually. <laughs> Thank you so much, Steph, for coming on. I love you. I love you. I love you. Love you, too. Thank you for having me. Um, I just love your gene pool for (laughs) Stephanie. What a jacket. Absolutely. Can we just talk about the jacket she was wearing? I'm like, this pink moment is so on brand. I can't. It's amazing. I know. I like that she actually, like, dresses for success, and I dress like I'm going to roll out of bed and go to the grocery store. Yeah, if you guys could see us right now, we look so (laughs) (laughs) Oh, We look how we feel at the moment, but we're going to change that. (laughs) Can we do like a spa day soon? Please. Oh my God, we need to do that. Well, honestly, all I literally care about right now is our vacations we have planned, Iceland and Hawaii. This isn't even like, yes, plug, plug, but also like. Oh my God. That's like the only little light at the end of the tunnel that's getting me through life right now is like uh, knowing I have that to look forward to. Me too. I can't wait. I'm so pumped. Um, and then we had some news. We had some people sign up today. So we are so excited. The more the merrier. It's going to be a blast. So honestly, Iceland, New Year's Eve in the capital city on actually New Year's, it's going to be a blast. And all you need 25% down, book your spot. You can make payments throughout the year. Just like, let's go. Let's go. Bring in the new year. Yes. Yes. Lincoln bio, Lincoln bio. Absolutely. And thank you so much, you guys, for being here with us today. Okay, quick update for you. Rad girl pens. Okay, so we ordered a fabulous new chic iconic uh piece for our swag bags. You they talk are like going- to Carrie Bradshaw. This chic iconic, like 
Who we are love you? this for us. We love this for us. Who are we? We are the selfie show. That is what we're doing. And they are coming in, I believe, the end of this week. So I am sending out all swag bags for May, June, and beginning of July next week. So get your reviews in. Thank you so much, you guys. And we will send you this new amazing little piece for your badge. It's so exciting. It's so cute. You guys are going to die. You're gonna die. So if you want in, make sure you leave a review on Instagram, drop your IG handle in it, and we'll reach out to you and get all the free goodies sent out to you. Again, thank you so much for the reviews. You are helping support us and helping yep. us grow. And it's a free way to support the show. So thank you. And make sure you're following us on our Insta. That's at Nurse Tori. And at Hey Samantha with two A's. And we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.